0: I want to welcome everyone here and I want to welcome those who are watching online and if you're a guest here, I especially want you to feel welcome here today. Hey, today we're beginning a brand new series and uh, the series is called the I Am. So what we're going to be doing is over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at the seven statements that Jesus made that he uses to describe who he is. What I'm most excited about this is that we're not listening to somebody else tell us about who Jesus is. We're hearing from Jesus who he says he is and he's using metaphors to teach us what that is. So today we're going to begin with the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Now before we go through this, I want to remind you that all of these seven I am's are found in the Gospel of John. Now John uses a sign here that I wanna remind you of. We've talked about this before. But the word that he uses is the word sign. And sign simply means a miraculous act that points to Jesus. So, whenever Jesus did a miraculous act, there was a sign that always pointed people to Jesus. So, this morning, my question that I want to ask you is how many of you need a sign in your life that is going to point you to Jesus? I can't tell you how many times in my life I see Jesus move in powerful ways in people's lives. And man, all of a sudden, the people are just like, boom, they're all over Jesus. And then as time goes on, we forget. And I see that relationship just kind of get a little colder and a little bit colder. But that's not what Jesus wants for us. What Jesus wants for us is that, that relationship that is constant. I hear people tell me all the time when they go from church to church, this is what they say. I'm just not being fed at that church. And you know what I say to that baloney? Because if that's the only time you're eating, you're going to get starved. We have a responsibility to eat each and every day from God's Word. And I don't have to depend on some tall pastor to feed me. I can feed myself as much as I want, just one from God's Word. All right, now for our series to begin, we have to go all the way back in the Old Testament to the book of Exodus. And I want you to find your place in this story. We're in the wilderness, and as we gaze up on the hill there, there's a bush that is on fire. But when you look at that bush, you can see that it's not being consumed. Next to that bush, there's a man. He's dressed in shepherd's clothing. His name is Moses. As we get closer to where he's standing, there's two things we notice. Number one, he took his shoes off. We see him laying on the side. That's kind of odd. Not too many people will take their shoes off in the wilderness. But the second thing that we see him doing is he's... He's hiding his face as if he's looking at something that is brighter than what his eyes can handle. And then now as we walk up behind him, we hear him speak. And he's speaking to the bush. And this is what he says. If they ask me what is his name, what do I tell them? The voice speaks from the bush, and this is what the voice says. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So Moses gets the word from God. When you go to the Israelites, just simply tell them, I am has sent me to you. Do you remember? Do you realize what God just did? He just told us his name. The creator of the universe came to a creation and he said, I want you to know my name. Now, when we tell somebody our name, it's because, well, we want to introduce ourselves. And in those days in the Bible, a name reflected the character of that individual. And God says, I am. There's a couple of things I want you to understand about that. In the Hebrew, the word I am is made up of four consonants. There's no vowels. And so literally, the word I am becomes unpronounceable. Imagine if somebody said, hey, can you spell your name for me? Yeah, it's Z-X-L-T. How do you say that? I don't know. But that's what happened. And so because of that the Jewish people, the Israelites, the Hebrews believed that God's name was to be unspeakable. In other words, when you would speak His name, you were to do it with great reverence and great fear. So what they did is they took the vowels from the term Adonai, which means Lord, and they came up with the name Yahweh. Yahweh in English means Jehovah. Now, that name, I am, should have something and bring great importance to you and me. In fact, every time I get to talk about this, I get more excited because here's what it means the creator of the universe wants to be in a relationship with Bob. He says, I, this is personal. The Lord God is saying to us, I, the creator, desire a relationship with my creation. Who does that? God does. He wants us to be in a personal relationship, God speaking to you and you speaking to God. God listening to you speak to him and you listening to him as he speaks to you. But that's not all. His name isn't just I, his name is I am, which means this, God always lives in the now. God doesn't know a future, God doesn't know a past. You and I, we live in time, right? We have a beginning and we have an end. God doesn't have that. Everything that God does is in the now. And here's why that's important. That means the presence in your relationship is always present. Sometimes my wife will tell me, you need to be present right now. You know what that means? That means my mind is somewhere else. But God is always in the present, in the now. All right, now we're going to jump to the New Testament, and I want you to look at this verse. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now we're in the New Testament, and Jesus speaks these words, and as soon as Jesus speaks these words, the crowd tries to kill him. In fact, for those of you who are going to Israel, we're going to be in this exact place where this happened. Why would the people want to kill him based on what he just said? It's not the words that he used, it's what he told them. And what he told them is this, I am God. Jesus is saying, let's go all the way back to that bush. And you know the bush I'm talking to because you guys think Moses is way up here. That voice in the bush that spoke to Moses, I am I am Yahweh. And the people were furious with him. Do you remember in our last series that we did on Jonah? Do you remember that Jonah went to Nineveh and he preached an eight-word sermon and the whole city of Nineveh had a revival, right? Everybody turned. Jesus is now about to preach a sermon to several thousands of people. And when he's done... There's only a handful of people left. In fact, when it's all said and done and Jesus sees how everybody has left him, he turns to his disciples and he asks them the question that he asks us this morning. What about you, central community? Are you too going to leave? My prayer is is that today that our answer will be the same answer that Peter gave. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words to eternal life. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from John chapter 6, and I'm just going to read verse 35, okay? Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is God's Word, the great I Am for His people. Let's pray together. Father, I'm hungry this morning, and I'm not just hungry for physical food. I'm hungry for the bread of heaven, that heaven That bread, that food that I never get enough of, but the only food that truly satisfies. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. All right, so I hope you don't get whiplash this morning because we're going to go from Old Testament to New Testament. And that's how the Bible works. Everything in the Old Testament points to something in the New Testament, So in those words that I just shared with you, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, that should bring to mind a story. And again, we go all the way back to the Old Testament, and the story is the children of Israel, the Hebrews, are now in the desert. They're in the wilderness, okay? And what you need to understand is they're complaining. And the reason they're complaining is because they're hungry. They're always complaining, but now they're complaining because they're hungry, And so Moses comes to him and he says, This is what God says the Lord will rain down bread from heaven. All right, now let's set the stage. You remember that the people, the Hebrews, were in Egypt, right? And while they were in Egypt, they had everything they needed they had a home, they had some type of mode of transportation they had food, they had a garden, they had everything they needed. So really, one of the things that they could possibly say is, well, why do we need God? Well, God didn't like that. You see, their being in Egypt had taught them to be independent, and God says, no, my people are going to become dependent upon me. So what did He do? He moved them out of Egypt into the desert, into the wilderness, which is God's favorite place to teach. And God wants His people to know this, you will depend on me each and every day. So how did that happen? God came to the children of Israel, these Hebrews, and what He did is each and every day He provided bread. Every morning, the Bible tells us that when the dew would would evaporate, when it would melt away, what was left was this white substance, this white cake substance. It was a kind of a wafer and it had a very sweet taste to it. God gave Moses the instructions to tell the children of Israel, and these were their instructions. Every morning, you can go out and you can pick what you need for yourself and your family. You can only pick what you need for that day. If you pick more than that, All of your food will rot. So, on the sixth day, however, you can pick twice as much. And the reason is because the seventh day is a Sabbath unto the Lord, and on that day you will not work. Now, why did God do that? Have you ever asked that question? Why did God give them those instructions? And here's the answer the answer is because God wanted to know two things. Number one, can my people follow instructions? he's pretty big on that. But the second reason was this. He says, they have enough for today. Now I want to see, will they trust me for tomorrow? Whoa, that's tough. Have you ever been in that place? You got what you need for today, but all of a sudden, what begins to come up in your mind and your heart is this, okay, God, thank you for what you did for me today. But then you start thinking, Man, I wonder if he's going to meet my needs tomorrow. It's common. We all think like that. And it took God six days a week for 40 years to get it out of the Israelites. So I figure we're in pretty good company, right? Do you remember what the name of that bread was called? It was called manna. Manna means what is it? Now, I want you to think about this, that right after church, you go home, and you're all sitting around the table, and your wife puts out this, this manna, and your son says, Mom, what is it? And she goes, what is it? No, Mom, that's what I'm asking you. What is it? And that conversation would go on forever, right? Now, here's why this is so important to understand, I think. Why did God call the bread... Why did they call it manna? Why did they call it Is it? And here's why. Number one, they had to ask the question over and over again, what is it? But the second thing that they had to do is because they heard the question, they had to come up with an answer, people. They had to come up with an answer to what is it? And here's the only thing that they could have come up with. It is the supernatural provision of God for his people from heaven. Every day when they woke up, there was that manna, that what is it? And every day they found out, you know what? Our God can be faithful. And so what is this that we have? What is this that God has given us? God has provided for us supernaturally from heaven. That's the only way you could say it. Now here's what Jesus is saying. Just like the Hebrews had that bread from heaven, that sustained them physically. I am the bread of heaven that will sustain you spiritually every day of your life. Now one thing before we go on, and that's this. In every one of these times where the Lord Jesus talks about the I am and he describes himself, every time he does it, he infuriates his listeners. Now, we got to jump to the New Testament, and you need to understand where the story is today. Jesus has just finished the great miracle, the great sign of the feeding of the 5,000. We know what happened there, don't we? What did Jesus do? He multiplied the fishes and the loaves, and he fed thousands of people. The people were so infatuated by what Jesus did that they decided in their hearts, we're going to make this man king. He's got powers like we've never seen before. But most important, he gives us what we need. And so they started going after him. Jesus knew this. So Jesus and his disciples retreat. Jesus goes up on the mountain to spend the night with his father. And the disciples go out on the water to the other side. Jesus walks on the water. And now it's morning. And this is where we find ourselves. All right. The rabbis taught. That, that the Messiah would do greater things than what Moses did. Okay? And they were right. Well, what did the people know that Moses did? Well, he fed them six days a week for 40 years. So they say to Jesus, if you're the Messiah, then you need to do something bigger than this. Now, what they didn't realize was the fact that the bread of heaven was standing right in front of them was a bigger deal than anybody could have done. But all they're concerned about is their physical needs. Ladies and gentlemen, all they want is their bread. We want food, and we want to know the food's going to keep coming. Now, here's what I want you to hear don't blame them, don't be hard on them, because you and I do the same thing. We work to get a paycheck so we can have money, so we can retire. We think sometimes that new dress, that new house, that new car, all of these things are gonna give us the comfort that we need so that we can live on our own. Now, do you know why the Israelites did that? And do you know why you and I do that? Because God has placed eternity in our hearts. There's a longing, my friend, for us to not wanna have problems, to not have trials, to not have tribulations. That's why we're always looking for something that it's going to make us feel loved and comfortable. All right, now, Jesus knows that their thinking is a little bit off. Because remember, what did they see? What did they do? All they saw was is that Moses brought them this bread, so they want to go to Jesus, and they want him to give them this bread. Now, watch this. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. So Jesus is straightening out their thinking here. And he's telling them, it wasn't God who gave, us this, gave you this bread, or excuse me, it wasn't Moses who gave you this bread, I'll get that right, it was God who gave you this bread. And look what happens. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, and the people say, We want more of this bread. Now Jesus has them right where he wants them so he can teach them. And here we go with our verse. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What a statement! They want bread that's going to satisfy their physical bodies, but Jesus says, I am the bread of life, and the bread of life that I am is something more than what you could ever think about. All right, now, let's pause there for just a moment there. It's no coincidence, is it, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. Or how about the fact that in Micah 5, where it's prophesied that the word would become flesh, and then guess what happened? We broke it. Think about what takes place in communion. We have the cup and we have the bread. What did Jesus say? After he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, the bread, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. This is the bread that Jesus is talking about. All right, think about manna. Manna and Jesus are so much alike. The manna came down from heaven, so did Jesus. The manna was white. White represented purity. Jesus was pure, he had no imperfections in them. When the people came out, the manna was there for everybody, there was enough for everybody. Everybody could gather. And you know what? Jesus, when he comes to this earth, his will is that all men would be saved. In other words, there's enough of me for everybody. But we also have to remember this, and we witnessed it here today, that the people, when they came out for the manna, they still had to do something, didn't they? They had to gather the manna. Or they could trample on it, right? And the same happens in our lives. Jesus comes to us. And in this verse, he tells us here, he says, no one comes to the Father except the Father who draws him. The Father draws us to him. And then when we come to him, we have to receive or people trample on that. All right. The prophecies teach that when Jesus, the Messiah, comes, that he would bring with him the bread of heaven. So the people think more man is coming. Hot dog. Now, why did they think that, people? Because they just saw Jesus multiply the loaves and provided food for everybody. So now Jesus, or excuse me, the people are thinking, we want this Jesus to give us the bread for the rest of our lives. And now Jesus has them right where he wants them. And here's what he says to them. He says, you guys have it wrong. You see, what you think is a perceived need, in all actuality, it is not. You don't even realize what it is that you need. All right, now, watch this. If I were to talk to you about love, you would probably know how I'm talking it or what I mean by it by the way I use it in a sentence. In those days, when they talked about love in the Greek, we know that an agape love is that sacrificial love, right? We know that when they talked about an eros love, that's that erotic love, or when we talk about that filio love, that's a that friendly type of love. The same way is true about the world the word life. And this is what Jesus wants the people and you and I to know. I have come that you would have life and have it to the full. Now there's three words that describe three different forms of life. And the first one is shuka. Shuka is talking about that mental, that, that inside of us. But then there's another one called the bios, and the bios is the physical type of life. It's the stuff that we need, it's the stuff that we use to feed our bodies and to live our lives. But then there's a third type of life, and that's described as the zoe life. In other words, this is the spiritual life, When I baptized each one of those individuals up there, along with Pastor Jordan, every time before they went in the water, we said, buried with Christ, raised to new Zoe. That's the life that Jesus is talking about. All right, now, here's the issue that Jesus has with them and with us, and we're gonna kind of bring this to a close because I know you're looking at your watches to see the chiefs are still on. Okay, here's the deal. Jesus is making it very plain to you and I, and that's this. You guys are trying to solve a BIOS problem, okay? And you're using a BIOS solution to try and solve it, and it won't work. You see, you have a, you have a spiritual issue, but this spiritual issue cannot be taken care of or answered or, or relieved from you with a physical solution. In other words, he is saying the only way that you can take care of this need in your life is with a Zoe solution. And what Jesus is telling us is simply this I know that you're always looking for that which will bring you comfort in life. I know that your focus is on your bellies, but my focus is on your heart. You see, you're looking for what will get you through this day, this day. I'm telling you about what will you will need to get through this life and into eternity. And that's the message of I am the bread of life. I am the bread that sustains you. When you do's what, use what you're using, you know what? You're going to get hungry again. You're going to get a high, but then you know what? You're going to need more. What I have for you is going to leave you full. You see, our issue is we think that we can find life in a bottle, or life in pornography, or life in the lust of this world, or life in a job, or life in a bank account, or life in the comforts of this world. And the Lord makes it very clear, you know what, it may work for a while, but that's going to wear off. You're going to have trials, you're going to have tribulations. What I want to give you is this, I want to give you the kind of bread That isn't just a little moment high, but it's going to sustain you, not just here on earth, but into eternity. And then Jesus tells them, and this is where they struggled, I need you to eat my flesh. I need you to drink my blood. I need you to take me into you as the bread of life. How do we do that? We do that by reading God's word, not once a week, but every day, and sometimes several times a day. We do that by spending time on our knees before God in prayer and not just pouring out our heart to him, but allowing him to speak to us. We do that in worship. We do that by shining our light for him, and that's the kind of bread that will sustain you. There was a man who had been working with a group of missionaries for a long time, and you know what he wanted to be a missionary Finally, the missionary said, hey, you know what? We're going to make you an honorary missionary, and we're going to give you a job, and here's your job. Every day, we want you to take this horse and this cart, and we want you to go to the main village. We want you to fill up all these barrels with water, and then these are the towns that we want you to go to, and they've got to have fresh water. Now, we're counting on you because if they don't get this fresh water, they're going to die. So every day, this man would go and he would fill up all these barrels with water, and then he would go to the different cities. And on the third day, between the cities, they found him dead. They wondered did he get attacked by an animal or, or what happened? And when they went to him, they found out that he died of thirst. How does that happen? He had all the water right there for him. It's real simple. He didn't drink. And that's what Jesus was telling the people. Guys, what you're looking for is standing right in front of you. And you're missing it. And the reason you're missing it is because you're focused on your own comfort. You're focused on your own physical needs. But I have come so that you might have life and have it to the full. But dear friends, there's going to come a time in life when you're either going to have to step out in faith or you know what? God's going to push you out in faith. You ever been there before? Have you ever been in that place where all of a sudden you find yourself and no money in a bank account is going to help you? No, 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 nothing out of a bottle or any quick fix is going to to save you. What you need is you need the Lord God to show up and if he doesn't, you're in deep doo-doo That's where God wants you, so that you can depend on him. And as he comes through, then you can believe and have faith that God is true to his promises. Here's Jesus' message to you this morning. You have a life, a gift that's been given to you to live Don't live it focused on the physical things of this world because they may give you a momentary high, but you know what? Just like that bread, it will perish. But Jesus says, take me, take me into your life and I will fill you up and I will sustain you to the end of the world. Heavenly Father, Give me this bread, because this is the bread that will sustain me. This is the bread, the true bread, that will give me life. I admit to you, Lord, I've tried so many other ways of bringing comfort into my life, and you're right. Oh, there may be a moment of a high, but Lord, the crash gets harder and harder each and every time. God, I don't want to do that anymore. And so I'm coming to you for the bread, the bread that will sustain me into eternity. Thank you for reminding me, I am the bread of life. Give me that bread. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. Would you please stand and let me give you the benediction, and then I'm going to dismiss you. I just got a message that they're holding the game till you get home, so okay? You'll be, you'll be fine, okay? All right. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace and His strength and His joy. God bless you. God loves you. I love you. We'll see you next week.